if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is now underway. Thanks for being with us. It's eight minutes after 10 o'clock on this Tuesday, or yeah, this Tuesday edition of The Authority. It's the ninth morning of the third month of the year of our Lord 2021. You are normally tuning in at this time for Kersenau. Uh, Peter Kersenau is, of course, a fixture, 10 o'clock on Tuesdays. But Peter has a uh, couple of other commitments today regarding his legal practice. He will be with us later in the week. Not sure exactly when. But it actually is fortuitous because... At about the same time Pete was telling me yesterday he couldn't come on today, I heard from Jack Windsor, who is the managing editor at the Ohio Star News uh, uh, Organization. And he told me of a story of somebody that is a mutual friend and acquaintance. She is a former uh, candidate for the Ohio State Senate. And she's a bit of a conservative lightning rod. She is unapologetic and unabashed in her conservatism, and uh, some people don't like her because of that. She calls people out and calls it as she sees it, and her name is Melissa Ackeson. You've had her, you've heard her before on these airwaves and in others. And Jack told me Melissa got a visit from the FBI to her home. And I said, for what? And then he sent me the story that dropped on the Ohio Star website last night, theohiostar.com. And I said, okay, uh, rather than read this fantastic story, this amazing, not fantastic in a good way, but this fantastic story to the audience, let's talk to Jack Windsor and let's talk to the subject of this FBI visit, Melissa Ackeson. And they both join us now here on AM 1420, The Answer. First, Melissa, since you are the subject of the story, good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, Bob. Just trying to operate in systems designed for the enemy by the enemy in uh, Biden's America 2021. That is very, very well stated. That is a great way to describe the situation right now. And Jack Windsor with us as well, the managing editor who broke and wrote the story. Jack, good morning. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's always an honor to be here. Thank you for choosing me. And uh, good morning, Melissa. Good to hear your voice. Good morning, Jack. Well, you know what's really amazing here? It's not me that's cho- that chose you. It's Melissa that chose you, which is what makes this even uh, you know better uh, that I have you both here. Because, Melissa, you reached out to Jack Windsor first to say, I want to tell this story. People came, or rather the FBI, came to my home to talk to me and investigate me over the Capitol riot on January 6th. So, Melissa... Um, 
I want you to tell me what happened, first of all, uh, as far as the visit. When did it happen? And give us the background of the story, and then we'll try to draw some conclusions from it with Jack. Go ahead, Melissa. Sure. It was last Wednesday, and I was actually recovering from not one, but two separate surgical procedures. My four-year-old had just recovered from a surgery as well, so we, we weren't doing real well in the Ackeson household, and it was the first time that my husband you know, had to go out for the day and, and attend a meeting, and so we have a pretty, a pretty strong camera system all around the, the house, and the doorbell rang, and the kids know, you know, just for obvious reasons, that they're not allowed to answer the door. So I make my way out of the uh, bedroom, and I go to the door, and I open it up, and I'm kind of hunched over. My head, my hair is a mess. I'm in a robe. And I said, you know, I wasn't expecting anybody today. You know, can I, can I help you? That was the general tone of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And about that time uh, is when they, you know, showed me their FBI badges and they let me know that they had some questions as it related to the insurrection on January the 6th, which is that, clearly, is that how they worded it, Melissa? Did they call it an insurrection when they said that to you? It was either insurrection or attack. It was it was clear that they were asking about the Capitol, the event. No, I, I understand place. that. The only reason I'm trying to clarify that is I want to know if that's just generally how the FBI is referring to it, because there is, in my estimation, and in the estimation of a lot of people, zero evidence that for all of the terrible things that took place that day, for all of the crimes of trespassing and breaking in and, and anything that happened, there were no guns. This was not an insurrection with an attempt to overthrow the government. This is a bunch of angry people, many of them, I believe, being spurred on by agents provocateur uh, to, to do this. But it was in no way an insurrection. I was just curious as to, uh, as to if that's how they referred to it so casually as if it's just an accepted fact when they brought it up to you. Well, it wasn't, you know, to be honest with you, it wasn't a huge surprise that the FBI showed up because I had been reading stories and hearing from other mm-hmm. folks. Um, and this is all across the country, that they were either questioned based on photo identification, that they were able to, to make a match, and these were not correct matches. I had heard stories about people being detained while trying to travel for business who were simply there to see the Trump speech and were nowhere near the nation's capital. So I, I didn't, it, it wasn't a huge shock, I'll just say that. And keep in mind, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm on medication, I'm recovering from a surgery, so it was, it, it was, a bit confusing, but it, but it wasn't a, a true shock, I don't believe. And so I allowed them to come in, and they started asking questions. You know, was I at the Capitol? Was I at the, the Trump event? And I just kind of walked them through and said, you know, to be frank with you, you see that I'm in a robe. I'm recovering from surgery. I was having some medical issues while I was there. I didn't stay for the entire speech. Trump came out, President Trump came out over an hour late, and we went, made our way back to an Uber. I went to a Joe Theismann's restaurant. Within an hour of eating, and we were back in Virginia by this point, my phone started ringing. And so it was from local media in Ohio, friends and family, are you okay? And at this point, I didn't really know what was going on. And so I start scrolling through my phone, and I see that there's activity at the Capitol. So I immediately went into the restroom, which you could clearly tell the restroom at the Joe Theismann's restaurant. It was not a restroom in the Capitol. You would think that the FBI, whether looking at a still shot or watching the video that is time-stamped, would recognize that I was nowhere near the Capitol. But what led them to my house, I ultimately found out, 
literally internet trolls on the internet, people who had taken either still shots or portions of the video saying she's an insurrectionist, she was inside the Capitol. I will say that the FBI did ask, you know, can you can you identify or give us some accounts that harassed you during this time? I said, listen, I ended up closing my Twitter account down because I had so many people saying, oh, this is Melissa Ackerson. She was leading the insurrection, et cetera. I said to the point that I closed my Twitter account down, but not before I had taken multiple screenshots, especially of those well-known accounts in the state of Ohio who really pride themselves on getting blocked by conservatives because they're incessant harassers. Mm -hmm. And so I think what people need to understand is the anonymous nature that's given them the green light to ruin someone's life, to defame them, to slander, to libel, the, the anonymous nature that they believe they have, it, it's not really true. There's actually forensic experts who can take a digital footprint and they can pass, get, get a pathway to who those accounts are coming from, especially if they're mo- operating multiple accounts. So, you know, at this point, I contact my attorney after they leave, after they've questioned me. We also, we being the organization, we, the 501c4, Patriots for Ohio, and we have a podcast, Hang On Ohio, Keep in mind, our whole entire existence is based on conservative principles and liberty and free speech and, you know, talking about the corruption going on in the state. But I was asked about the organizations that I run. Uh, In fact, my administrator, who's a paid staffer, she received a call because we had chartered a bus there um, for folks to go. Now, unfortunately, I flew down the day before. I wasn't even able to meet up with the bus. It was so crowded. But, you know, in my mind, I had to really stop and take it in. I didn't tell anybody about this for a couple of days other than my attorney, you know, my husband, obviously. But but I'm thinking to myself, is this where we are in 2021, where Internet trolls and political ideology that differs from you, they now have access to weaponize, you know, the most elite law enforcement agency at the federal level to simply show up at your house, not make a telephone call, but show up at your house with no evidence that you were there. I mean, this is where I am right now. And my son has continued to ask me, Mom, are they coming back? I don't want to go outside today. Do you think they're coming back? And I'm like, what's going on right now in America? That's the reason I wanted to have you on to talk about this, because if it can happen to you, it can happen to any one of the other hundreds of thousands who were there peacefully just supporting their president and opposing the uh, certification of an election that may indeed have been uh, wrought with fraud. Jack Windsor, again, you uh, wrote the story today for last night. It dropped for the OhioStar.com. Uh, your reaction to what happened to Melissa, and uh, and especially when she contacted you to tell this story? Yeah, so, you know, there were a couple of elements that made me want to write the story. One, obviously, is January 6th is a big deal for many reasons. Obviously, the top um, being the crimes that were tragic uh, that were committed. And then, you know, as you mentioned very well at the beginning of the show, uh, some of the newer information that paints a different picture that day. But we had heard stories about the FBI popping in on people to gather intelligence and investigate. In fact, Maurice Thompson, who I talked with and quoted in the article, uh, had told me, that about 300 people across the state had experienced the same thing. Many times it's an intelligence gathering mission. Uh, obviously, sometimes it's to investigate. Uh, we've read those stories. But the thing that really uh, piqued my interest, uh, one, I know Melissa, and two, is exactly what she talked about at the back end, which is the FBI essentially said, hey, we have anonymous Internet tips. And, Bob, you and I have talked about cancel culture, how uncivil things have turned over the last year, 
and I can personally relate with spineless, malicious jellyfish who hide behind screens and try to discredit, disrupt, and defame people. It's happened to me. So, you know, the story really is, is part about that, but it's about professional law enforcement authorities doing their jobs. You know, they, they should be out checking on leads, but it's also about a person, Melissa, who wasn't involved being tied to something by bad actors. And that's a story that I think needed to be told. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. I did reach out to the two FBI agents who showed up. Uh, mm-hmm. One declined comment and redirected me to the Cincinnati field office. I was hopeful that I would get to talk with a media liaison. Unfortunately, we didn't get to connect before the story dropped. But I, I really want to get their insight because I can't imagine the number of leads that they received and the number of uh, tips they have to pour through and visits they have to make. I'm curious to find out what is the the boundary. Uh, you know, up to this point, it's not credible. Over to, over to, over to that point, it is credible. Uh, but I thought it was a story that needed to be told. Uh, you know, from all angles. Yeah, and I completely concur. That's why I wanted to have you kind of tell it from that side and Melissa as well. Uh, Melissa, the real question now is, I'm going to hold off here uh, for this time out here, and I want you guys both to hang on through this short break. But the real question is, is what do you do now? Not only, one, uh, number one, to get justice for yourself, but also to perhaps head off these kinds of harassing, uh, you know, uh, trolling, the, the trolling that is being done, sending FBI agents to investigate private citizens who did nothing wrong. Uh, and I know you have a plan there, so we're going to talk about that right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, 1024, we continue now with uh, Melissa Atkinson. She is a former Republican Ohio State Senate candidate who was harassed by the FBI, not necessarily through the fault of the FBI, but because they were directed to her home uh, by Internet trolls who decided they wanted to call her an insurrectionist because she had the temerity to appear at the rally for President Trump on January 6th. We're joined also by Jack Windsor, managing editor of The Ohio Star, who wrote this story about Melissa for The Ohio Star, which you can read now at theohiostar.com. So, Melissa, uh, I kind of teased it before the short break there. What are you going to do? Um, is there any way to find out who trolled you, harassed you, and essentially reported you to the FBI as an insurrectionist? And can you hold them accountable? You actually can. Uh, in fact, I contacted my attorney immediately after the FBI left. Of course, you know, you know, his position was you don't have to talk to them. You don't, and I get that. So I'm in this conundrum right now because I've, I've taught my children and I've taught the public to respect law enforcement, appreciate the job that they do. And so, you know, I I was trying to be as helpful as I could while in the back of my mind, I have friends who are marshals. I have friends who work on, you know, SWAT. I do ride widths with the police in Columbus, and I know that their advice has always been, do not talk to them when they come to your house. So I'm in this conflicting situation right now. And the immediate, you know, and from a personal level, it's trying to calm my children down to let them know that their, you know, their mom is okay and it's okay to go out front and know the FBI isn't going to show back up, you know. But as far as it relates to these accounts who have been able to to do these things unmasked, 
I will let you know there are forensic experts. I know because I've had to to use these services before uh, for for other matters of litigation that I've had to deal with. So yes, as soon as I can identify, especially the accounts who definitively said she is an insurrectionist, she's in the building right now. You know, I I think you're going to be hearing a lot more. And while folks may feel comfortable and probably listening to this interview right now and behind their computer screens, feel comfortable yeah. now. But you won't be within a couple of months litigation takes time but you have to you've got to invest the money and it's your personal cash that you're putting up but i think it's important to send a message and i I think there's also a silver lining here bob where the legislature has got to be able to act on these matters no question about it they absolutely do and jack windsor i want to go back to you on this Um, what role will you or the press in general play in holding people accountable like this private citizens who simply showed up at an event uh, you know that they wanted to be at with no intent whatsoever to commit uh, you know crime or or harm or whatever what have you being harassed like this what role might the press uh, play in holding these people accountable wow that's a fantastic question thank you for for asking it you know, uh, it's going to sound dumb and fundamental, but the number one thing uh, folks can do is simply write stories that are uh, 360 degrees um, in transparency and, and tell the truth. And when there's an opportunity to shine light on something, shine light on it. I really appreciate Rocky Ratliff, who's an attorney out of Marion. I had the pleasure of talking with him yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's a Democrat, by the way. And so, he was, you know, kind of talking to me from a constitutional perspective, and he said something that I quoted in the story, and uh, I think this goes to the morrow of your question. He said, if someone called the local police department with false information, that person could be charged. Yet people hiding behind computer screens and creating fake profiles are often protected by social media companies when they post fake information. The difference is when someone calls a dispatcher, the dispatcher knows when someone posts fake information to social media, hundreds thousands or millions of fed lives, and these people should be found in charge. So I I think at least uh, at a minimum off of this story, uh, I'm certainly intrigued enough uh, to dig a little bit into what's going on on Twitter, what's going on on Facebook. I am not opposed at all to the First Amendment exchange of free ideas and free speech. What I am opposed to is, is bullying and harassing and defamation. And I think people need to understand how uh, common that is. I've, I've been a victim of that. That's happened to me throughout the course of this entire year. I generally try to ignore it, but it's a real thing and it has real consequences. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that people can consume information from somebody who is malicious, who is intentionally trying to hurt someone else. And that can shape uh, their entire perception and it can end up hurting the person that, uh, that was being attacked. And so I think uh, shedding light and information on what's going on in that arena would be helpful and meaningful. I totally agree, and I think Melissa knows that, too. That's why she reached out to you, because somebody needed to give her a voice and a chance to respond to this, all of the accusations and all of the you know, the insinuations online, uh, and then leading, of course, to this actual you know, FBI action. Uh, somebody needed to tell her story, and uh, hopefully other people will have that same access. Melissa, final thoughts? You know, I would just tell people that, as bad as this sounds, don't let it deter you from using your voice. I mean, Bob, you and I have been in the the fight for years, and Jack as well. I didn't care if it was us, you know, working with Ohio Value voters to shut drag queen story hour, gender-bending ideology coming into elementary schools, 
you know, children dancing dressed as the opposite sex in bars. We all lived through that together. So, I, you know, frankly, we're going to be targets, but I don't want it to ever stop somebody from doing the right thing. We have convictions. You know, we, we have an obligation to do the right thing with our creator in heaven, and we've got to keep up the good fight. Amen. That's what it's all about. Well, Melissa, I hope, I wish you uh, the best of luck in getting justice and, uh, you know, tracing those accounts back as you talked about. It takes time. It takes money and everything you said. I hope you've got the fortitude to stay with it, to hold them accountable. So hopefully, perhaps it'll make other trolls think twice before they try to victimize innocent people uh, just expressing their constitutional rights in a public That's forum right. the way you did on January 6th. Melissa Atkinson, Jack Windsor, thank you both for telling and sharing the story. We appreciate it. And we'll talk again. God bless. God Thank bless you. you as well. Thank you. 10.30, time for news. On the other side of the news, we're going to try to find a positive spin on the way things are going in this country right now. There's a massive leftward shift in the direction of this country because of the uh, the new federal government. Um, and for a lot of us, it feels like maybe we're never coming back. There is hope to stave off the leftism and the socialism. Trevor Loudon wrote a very good article about it, and he's going to tell us about it coming up on AM 1420 Games. Question for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the authority message line. Call 216-525-1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216-525-1806. Call the authority message line. All right, 1036. Now we do continue on AM 1420. The answer, we're going to dive right into this one because it is a long one. And, of course, I am talking about this uh, this potentially positive view of bouncing back from the far left turn that this country has taken. I told you about Trevor Loudon. He is an author. He's a filmmaker. He's a public speaker. He's a New Zealander. And for 30 years, he has researched radical leftism, Marxism, and terrorist movements uh, around the globe. And he is joining us now once again on AM 1420, The Answer, to talk about how we can potentially save this republic. Trevor Loudon, good to have you back here in Cleveland, Ohio. How are you? Hey, look, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's a pleasure. I really mean that. And it was a pleasure reading. You know, I mean, look, we're all a little bit pessimistic right now, Trevor. Um, and I wanted somebody to try to give us some direction here. And I thought your article was spot on. It was very much needed right now that it ran in the Epic Times. Uh, a New Zealander's nine starter steps to save America from socialism. Trevor, you even say at the outset of this thing, can the Republic be, a uh, Republic be saved? Honestly, I don't know, but here are at least some suggested steps that can give us a fighting chance. Uh, what is your level of, of optimism here that maybe some of these things could actually have an impact before we start talking about them? Look, well, one of the things I've talked about is that the, the, the red states, the free states, should join together in a compact, not secession, but join together in a, an alliance to oppose unconstitutional overreach by the federal government. And that's already starting to happen. We've had 18 states, 20 states wrote a letter to the Biden administration just the other day warning them not to try and interfere in their elections. Um, Texas is developing its own policy to defend its border. Um, and they're working with Florida on, on legislation to stop big tech censoring conservatives. So you're already starting to see this alliance of free states. And that, that's 30 states. Yeah, that, and that, that stretches 
it's from, you know, the Canadian border to the Florida Keys. Um, that is extraordinarily important. You're, you're right about that, Trevor. I'm, I apologize. I do is I don't want to speak generally here. I want to get specific to all nine of the points that you raised, nine suggested sure. steps that can help us. And I want to go one by one. We'll get to that compact of free states you talked about here in a moment. But let's start with the very first one that you wrote about, and that is facing reality. And this is something that I think a lot of us are really coming to grips with right now and doing exactly that. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah, look, we, we need to understand we are in a socialist revolution right now, and we're also really in a war with China. China was heavily, deliberately spread the COVID last year. China um, was very heavily behind Black Lives Matter, and it was involved in the election as well. So we're, we're in war with China. We're, we have extreme leftists running the White House who want to set up a one-party state, and there isn't anybody going to save us but ourselves you know there isn't a secret plan the military isn't secretly in control and is about to bring president trump back we are in a revolution and we have to face reality and when we face reality then we can start to talk about hope that is very important because you're right. I think there are a lot of people in red America, conservative-minded, constitutional patriots, who say it's okay. Somebody's got this. Somebody is going to flip. You know, the pendulum has always swung back after it goes one way, and they just think that something is going to happen behind the scenes that's going to fix all this. They're wrong. That is the reality that we have to face. You're a thousand percent right now. Let's talk about step number two. Stop all violent rhetoric. You talked about how President Obama, over eight years, replaced patriotic, constitutional-minded generals with left-leaning political appointees. In other words, if there is to be a violent civil war-type confrontation, the military, as it's constructed and under its leadership, will stand with the government, not the insurgents. Yeah, I think this is a critical thing. Uh, Look, I've, I've had people challenge me saying, oh, there's no peaceful solution, we have to take up arms. And I, I'd say, well, okay, first of all, what's your plan? What, what would you do, which way do you think the U.S. military is going to go? And they usually have no answer for that. And then I say, well, suppose you, you were winning and you were going to take the administration down. How long do you think it would be before we had Iranian and Cuban and Russian and Chinese troops on our soil and these people just haven't even considered that possibility you know there is a peaceful way forward here any talk of you know violence or whatever if you're in a facebook group and somebody's talking about violence they're either an idiot because they're putting their name in a facebook group they know it's monitored or they're a government provocateur trying to build up evidence to crack down on conservatives so there's a peaceful way forward, and we've got to stop any any hint of talking about violence. Yeah. It's irresponsible, and it, it's doomed to failure. I completely concur. And a lot of people are going to say, hey, we had to do it. We had to pick up arms to form this country, for goodness sakes. But that is not where we are now, and it is a very different situation. Number three, Trevor Lowen, you wrote, restore election integrity in all red states. And that is crucial. We would like to restore election integrity in all states, but we know that the blue states profited from the election um, instability, if you want to call it that, if corruption maybe is a little bit more accurate. Well, look, you know, That's the first thing, because if we don't restore integrity, and by that I mean 
the abolition of uh, electronic voting machines and very stiff penalties for anybody caught doing organized vote fraud. I'm talking 10-year felonies. Just that step alone would stop the problem. But And many states are currently working on this right now, but they need to have that those aspects. Get rid of the machines and bring in penalties. If you're serious about it, you've got to do those things. Because um, What would you recommend, you know, though, Trevor, if I may, a follow-up on that, if we get rid of the electronic voting machines, are we going back to the punch cards that led to the 2000 drama with, with punched-out chads and that sort of thing? How do we, what do we do? Well, look, look, okay, I'm not trying to be smart here. I come from a country, New Zealand, where you have to register before the election, you get your name on the election roll, and you turn up on the day with voter ID, and until recently it was all done by paper. And we never had vote fraud, and we never had a problem. This is That's how it's got to go. That's how it's done in most countries around the world. And, and you don't have the... Except in the third... Most first world countries don't have the massive vote fraud that we have now, except when they've started to introduce electronic machines. Got That's it. when the vote fraud has come in. And look, and look there's, a, there's another point there. Um, see, look, the Democrats are still going to vote, but if we don't fix up voter integrity in the 30 red states, the Republicans are going to stay home. We've already seen that in, in Georgia. Right. We, we lost two um, Senate seats, two critical Senate seats that shouldn't have been lost because a whole bunch of Georgia Republicans said to hell with the elections, there's no integrity, we're going to stay home. Well, that'll be all over the country if we don't fix it up. And we've got to start with the red states and then the red counties and the blue states. And then after 2022 and 2024, the whole country. But we have to start with the areas that patriots are in control. And since you brought up Georgia, you know, you know, what you said is true about the Republicans staying home in the runoff, but in the actual general election, they showed up and their votes were robbed because of those electronic machines that you're talking about. At least that's what many people believe to be the case. So uh, a thousand percent right there as well. Let me move to the primaries. Yep. Your fourth point here, Trevor Loudon, close the Republican primaries immediately because they are being exploited by independents and Democrats. Yeah, look, there's only five states. There's a lot of states say they have closed primaries. And what I mean by that is only registered Republicans or even Republican Party members can vote in Republican primaries. Only Democrats can vote in Democrat primaries. Most states, there's only about five that have fully closed primaries. The rest are open to some degree. And what that means is the Democrats, the leftists, even communists, come into the Republican primary and vote for the weakest Republican they can. That's how Lindsey Graham has managed to stay in power in South Carolina for years, despite all the conservatives there trying to get rid of him. That's how Lisa Murkowski is in power in Alaska. You'll find if you close the Republican primaries so only real Republicans can vote in them, you'll get a much more conservative um Republican Party, because right now you have a very conservative Republican base, and they keep on electing people who vote like Democrats, and that burns off the base. It makes people drop out of politics, disillusions them, close the primaries, and the grassroots will have much more control over who is elected and who isn't, and that will move 
the whole movement much in a much more conservative direction. Trevor Loudon is my guest. Trevor Loudon, you can read this and more of the great articles and work uh, by Trevor Loudon and his team at trevorloudon.com. Trevor, I want to combine number five, with, which is organize a compact of free states, which you started to talk about in our introduction, and number yep. uh, seven, which is form a multi-state America first popular alliance. What's the difference between those two things? Well, one is, look, one is state level and one is grassroots level. As I've said before, there are 30 states controlled by Democratic, uh, Republican legislatures. They can band together to form an alliance, a nation within a nation. They can basically tell the federal government, we will not take any unconstitutional orders from you. We, you know, the, the, the 10th Amendment says that, that the, this country is a federation of free states. They have the they have the absolute right to refuse to take unconstitutional dictates from the federal government. They are senior to the federal government as, as envisaged by the founding fathers. So that's at the state level. The states, red states, have got to band together and tell the federal government, no, we're not going to implement your voting. Uh, corrupt voting practices, you're not taking away our Second Amendment, um, you're not going to take away our right, you know, our, our freedoms and, and free speech, etc. in our state. The, the, the alliance, what I'm talking about, what I, what I want to see is, a, is like the Tea Party movement number two, the Tea Party movement, the Trump people, independents, uh, patriotic Democrats, organizing together across the nation and a sort of um, America First Federation, a MAGA Federation, and they can then go into Democrat or Republican primaries, hmm. re- register in those primaries if they want to, and then vote for the MAGA candidates. President Trump is going to release a list of MAGA candidates and all of the, the bad Republicans that need primary. And so all these people can band together they're not subject to Republican Party discipline or Democratic Party discipline, but they can go in and <coughs> choose the MAGA candidate. Just by doing that alone, you would eliminate most of the the bad Republicans in 2022, and you would bring the MAGA movement into control of the of the Republican Party without Mitch McConnell having a, a darn thing to say about it. Trevor, we, we are a little short on time. I probably can't get to all three of the remaining points, but also I'm going to focus on number eight, which is the boycott or boycott um, uh, movement. Uh, this is something that has been a far-left thing. They don't like something that Tucker Carlson says. They go after his sponsors. Boycott this company, that company. They've gone after the My Pillow guy. They've gone after Goya Foods and other things. Conservatives typically haven't been boycotters. We haven't done that, but you're saying it's time to do so. Tell us why. Look, it is. Look, there are 80 million Trump voters out there. There are many more people who support the MAGA movement. Make America great again. And we have lots of buying power, lots of money. You imagine if next month everybody decided in the whole country, in the MAGA movement, the word came around, we're going to boycott, say, say Bed Bath and Beyond, because they, they said, that President Trump instigated a riot at, at, at Washington, D.C., which was completely untrue, and they've refused to stop Mike Lindell's products from that point. 
So everybody starts boycotting that, that particular store and everybody goes and buys a product from Mike Lindell. Boycott, boycott. The next month you pick another, you keep that going until that company either apologizes or goes under. The next month you pick another company that's been, you know, anti-American and you freeze on that company and you boycott, start boycotting that company. After three or four months of that, when three or four companies had either surrendered and, and apologized or had gone under, you would see a massive change in the business culture of this country. All the cancel to, culture would be gone. I hate to bring a negative uh, response to that, but I would have to point out that to get 80 million Trump voters who are spread out across 50 states to unify in such a way, you would have to use social media, and it's the social media companies that would shut us down to stop us from coordinating such a boycott boycott movement. Well, yeah, but look, there's still Parler, there's still Gab, there's still others. You only need a few people in each state to then use their own email trees, and you would get that idea around in, in, in two days. It could still be done, even, and I take your point, you know, with, with even with Twitter on the wrong side, Facebook on the wrong side, yeah. you could still do it. Trevor, Trevor Loudon, I want people to read this great work uh, at trevorloudon.com. It is. It's an uphill fight. There's no question. We don't know if victory waits for us at the end or not, but it's a fight we must undertake. Trevor, thank you so much for the great list, and we appreciate your time very much, sir. Thank you. Oh, look, thank, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. God bless. Trevor Loudon joining us now, 1052. We'll be right back. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Wrapping it up now, it's 1056, short segment, as always, to uh, put the lid on this one, or calling a lid if you're in the Biden campaign. Uh, Let's go to a phone call from Derek in Richfield. Hey, Derek, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Hey, good morning. I appreciate it. Um, Certainly. So, yeah, I'm just just, uh, calling about they're not being a state of the union this year and it just seems very strange i mean it's not as if you know there's nothing going on it's a historic time with this whole pandemic lockdown uh you know i thought joe biden was supposedly wanted to unify the country and it just seems yeah, very odd that there wouldn't be a state union to address any of these things well, you're right um and i brought that up to wayne allen root there and he said he didn't think there was any one. I looked it up since then. Article 2, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution says, he shall, he being the president, shall from time to time give the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient, end quote. So it just says from time to time. It's not ordered to be annual. It has been traditionally annual uh, for, you know, about a century, but it is not required by by the Constitution to be annual, just, quote, from time to time. So, yes, he was supposed to give us one last month in keeping with the tradition. If he's too afraid to stand before the, the, the joint session of, of, of Congress and the United States people for 90 minutes, knowing that he cannot possibly cognitively work his way through that, then I think that should tell us an awful lot. Right. And, yeah, I, I'm aware, yeah, it's not like there's a law that's set, but 
yeah, it's been so ongoing that it's, you know, I think the public, we've kind of taken for granted there's every year there's a State of the Union, we come to expect it. So there's not right. to be any mention of it. Yeah, is is very odd. But, I mean, yeah, we kind of expect even during the, the, the debate, you know, last year, we, you know, I, we didn't expect, and he did, you know, better than I think, you know, we thought, you know, however he was being coached along. But, um, but yeah, listening to him many more now, he definitely seems to be declining. Well, just to remind people, Derek, and thank you for the phone call of exactly what you mean by saying listen to listening to him recently. Yesterday, he's given a speech on on International Women's Day, and he does not know the name of his own Secretary of Defense. Listen, to, this is why you don't have a State of the Union address. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the the, the uh, former general. I keep calling him General, but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we just talked about and for recommending these two women for promotion. He does not know the name of the secretary of defense. He does not know the title secretary of defense. He literally said the sec, uh, 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 the secretary, um, uh, the one in charge of that department over there. That department is called the Pentagon. Your man is called the Secretary of Defense, Chief of National Security. Where the hell is Joe Biden's brain? We'll see you tomorrow.